0: Hello everyone and welcome to Healthcare Perspectives 360, a series dedicated to exploring contemporary healthcare issues from multiple perspectives. I am your host Jerry Amori, and today I'm talking with Danielle Ofri, MD, Stacy Niliazzo RN, and medical defense attorney Jake Cosienda. Welcome everyone. In 2021, the 21st Century Cures Act, also known as Open Notes, resulted in patients having rapid access to their medical information sometimes before their doctor sees it and has made understanding the implications of medical information very complicated for patients so let's talk about that today dr ofree how has open notes
1: changed your relationship with your patients about test results well i would say it's not really limited to test results i mean what the open notes really changed most i think practically is our notes, that now our patients see our notes in, in real time, in addition to their test results. And that's where I see the biggest change, that I've, I've changed how I write. And once I know that someone's reading my notes, for better or for worse, I have uh, limited the detail I put in my notes. So for example, when I might have described, you know, in a patient who has um, depression, for example, we will often comment on their physical appearance because someone who is disheveled appearing is clearly in a worse state than someone who was well-groomed and we'll use those terms. However, patients find that very insulting to read that someone's commenting on appearance, even if it's for a clinical reason, we've stopped doing that. Um, the other thing I've stopped doing is elaborating a differential diagnosis. So if a patient comes in and says, I'm tired, that can be many things and that's a differential. That could be, you know, it didn't get enough sleep all the way to significant cancer. In the old days, I might write out, here's my list of 17 possibilities, or maybe not that many, but um, now I won't do that because I find that patients, if they see the word cancer, will freak out. It also opens up too many cans of worms. And so I've limited my my note-taking to really more about, oh, here's the plan. And that's really a, a step back, I would say, in terms of the value of a note. We want to see explicated clinical reasoning, but and it's not just me, I think everyone I've spoken to has really limited what they write. Um, On on the plus side, I think it's good for patients to be able to see their notes and see their results. They own the chart, it's their information, but I think it would be helpful if we had some kind of filter, be that a pause, or for example, a a clinical person, an RN, or a PA available to help interpret um, the notes and the test results, because it can be very confusing. I'll just add one last note about test results. You know, it comes out as a fire hose. And so you take a CBC, a complete blood count, which has about 25 values listed, only probably three of which we actually look at. The rest are generated automatically. But if any one of them is 0.0001% out of the normal range, it will have the big red flag abnormal, as big as if you had a significant thing and there's no subtlety. And the patients will suddenly get in a panic. Oh my gosh, am I dying? Do I have cancer? And we get a lot of panicked um, calls and messages about these very, insignificant abnormalities.
0: Right. Well, you know, as a risk management professional, what you were saying about changing the way you write your notes and sort of leaving out more information about the differential kind of hits me. I, I guess I'd like to go to Jake and ask, do you do you have a reaction at all to what um Dr. Ofrey is saying in terms of the defensibility of you know records or
2: I absolutely do. And and let me just preface with a little explanation why this is so concerning to me uh, as a defense medical malpractice attorney. Um, It's well understood that most medical malpractice cases generate and start because of poor patient reception of the situation. Unreasonable or wrong expectations Um, of a situation or or their perception. doesn't mean bad medical care, but that's what walks them down the street to an attorney to find out if something happened. Unfortunately, I think the open notes creates that in spades. And and let me explain why. And a lot of it has to do with exactly what Dr. Ofri said, but translated from a patient's perspective, or in my case, plaintiff's perspective. um, They now have, as as mentioned, this this, um, fire hose of information. Now, Patients are going to react to it in different ways. Some are going to be overwhelmed and just wait for the clinician to explain it and make heads or tails of it all. But a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are going to go open up old Dr. Google and start looking into this stuff on their own. They're going to jump the gun. They're going to uh, try to worry about things that um, are a problem in their mind that a clinician will absolutely not care about or or see as reasonable or not a concern. Um, As a result of that, they're going to expect things that perhaps clinicians will not be willing or would have ever provided. For example, chasing down every abnormal lab value. Patients might simply say, this is abnormal. This is high. This level's low. And the clinician can explain that's not a problem. We're not concerned, but the patient wants it chased down. There's going to be, I think, a potential for increased, you know, Inefficient medical care, because patients are going to demand care, testing, diagnoses, things that a clinician readily within their training knows not to bother with or pursue. There's going to be a catch 22 slash, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking going on here where, see, doctor, I said this was the problem. You didn't follow through. Now I'm in trouble. And you see, you should have listened to me. Unreasonable expectation, completely reasonable under the standard of care, not to pursue it. Patients are going to be now unhappy when they wouldn't even have known it before. It's a dangerous thing sometimes to have too much information when you don't have enough. It's the same kind of thing. And, and, and though obviously, maybe for some people more important, but if you brought your car into a garage to get fixed, you don't know what the heck they're doing. You just know it starts and runs when you drive it away. Do you really need to know all the details of what they did to get to the bottom of the problem? You know, I know it's our human bodies and everyone wants to know, but there's a certain similarity in the sense that if you have to watch the sausage being made, you're going to be upset about some things simply because you don't understand within the broader perspective how all this matters. So I see this as a problem in in the future leading to more lawsuits or at least leading to more complaints, whether it be in the Department of Public Health or lawsuits, because patients are going to be unsatisfied. And they're certainly going to be blaming clinicians for not explaining things well, jumping the gun, and not waiting for clinicians to and to put them in perspective, but also trust and believe the clinicians when they do put it in perspective.
0: So that makes sense from a legal perspective, which of course, you know, as a risk manager, I would I would think about. But on the other hand, I also really understand what Danielle is saying about you have to be careful, not all patients are going to you know, they're going to get really upset about little things that aren't really relevant. Um, Stacy, have you seen patients looking at their records or uh, getting information before the clinician has a chance to really explain it to them and getting upset? Or have you noticed that at all from a patient perspective?
3: Well, again, my experience is exclusive to the inpatient hospital, and I have not experienced patients who are currently admitted in acute care facilities accessing their healthcare information, notes, lab results, or otherwise in real time, which I think is a very good thing. But if we did start to see that happening, we thankfully already have a mechanism in place, which Dr. Ophrey alluded to, which was the whole idea of having someone there, sort of a navigator who can be available to help patients interpret and discuss this data, help them manage it before the physician has, or a process that I should say, before the physician has a chance to talk with them. We do have navigators at the hospital where I presently work on every floor and they're nurses primarily who, if a patient has a concern, they go in and they address it. They notify the care team, the nurses at the bedside and the physicians as well, get everyone on the same page. And I think that that considered collaborative response, providing assurances for the current plan of care and engaging everyone at the right time really is the key to addressing this issue.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Danielle. Yeah, I would push back to Jake a little bit. I think that we have to be careful about not leading to the sort of paternalistic, you know, well, we know best. You don't need to know the details. I mean, as, as a patient, all patients, I don't want that from my doctor. Now I may not want it all in the moment. And I think I don't want to discover my cancer on my chart. I want my clinician to call me or see me about that. But if I get my blood test, I want to see what they write. They, you know, their information that they have, I, I want to know. And the same with my car mechanic. Now I can choose to say, I don't wanna know, it's my option. I don't have to. And I often ask patients, how much do you wanna know? And some patients don't wanna know and that's fine. But if they do wanna know, I think it should all be there. The problem is that we then sort of dump it on the clinician to then clean up the mess after that. And that is the 600 emails about the chloride level that is 0.01 off that someone's convinced they're gonna die of multiple sclerosis. So um, what we haven't done is institute really a system in place as Stacy was alluding to a navigator or, or a way of um, helping patients, you know, sift through this mess. And also to distinguish, it's different to release a pathology report instantly um, as opposed to your CBC. And I think we can have some, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's um, paternalistic to have a three-day pause, for example, because before I call the patient about their cancer, I want to have called the oncologist, set up the plan. I don't want to call them and say, well, I don't know what to do. I want to have a chance to review the CAT scan so I don't think it's harmful to have a small pause, but I think all of it should eventually be at the patient's disposal if they should want to look at the, you know, the sausage.
0: Jake, you were you want to say something about that, I see.
2: Yeah, I, I, t- I absolutely agree with Dr. Ofer. I, I don't mean to, be, to sound that I'm um, suggesting paternalistic approach to this, but I think what she mentioned is exactly sort of the thought I had, which is th- the open sort of here's everything, go look at it, and no discussion, no explanation is, is the danger. Um, a pause, as Dr. Ofri mentioned uh, before, information is delivered so that the the doctor or the clinician can gather and figure out a strategy and a plan on how to deliver the information, I think is absolutely appropriate. You know, the idea is that it, it has to be immediately accessible to the patient just as immediately accessible to the clinician, I think, is a mistake. I really do. They can have access. In fact, if you think about it, they already do have access under the HIPAA regulations. They have an entitlement to access of their records. They have to affirmatively request that under HIPAA, but they do have access to that. What what the um, CARES Act does is no longer do you have to request it, it's automatic and it's just open book whenever you want it. And even then before, tel- before technology, you would have to go down to the office if they, this was enacted 30 years ago, you have to go get those records. Now, because of technology, it's all immediately available. And that's the danger is that, you know, clinicians go through lots of education, training through residency, fellowships, lots of experience to take this raw data information and process it and deliver the medical care based on it, whether it be advice, explanation, what have you. What this does, it takes it all away. And, you know, uh, when I mentioned Dr. Google, it, that's exactly the problem is that the clinicians are now going to go out, rather, I'm sorry, the patients are now going to go, many of them, and try to figure all this out on their own, forgetting the fact that the clinicians are there to guide them through the process. Some will not trust their clinicians simply because that's Some people's human nature, some will defer to them, but without collaboration, it's a danger. And that I think is the problem is that the act was enacted and just unleashed on the public with no education and no real understanding of what they're getting themselves into.
0: So, you know, as a patient, I was in the ED with my spouse a couple of months ago, and I was getting his results before anybody came in to talk to us about it. Stacy, have you found that that's what's happening with patients and families and do you see a different inpatient outpatient or what would you like to say about all of this? Well,
3: I would just say that I agree that as far as information your your private healthcare information is concerned, patients do have every right to that and I do believe the door should be open but I believe that clinicians bear the responsibility as Jonathan Jake and uh, Dr. O'Frey both said to package it appropriately. And to make sure that it's delivered responsibly. Also, think about whether the patient's getting potentially catastrophic news, as Dr. Ophrey said, the word cancer, or a positive result for, uh, you know, for a, an STD, or even for something, you know, even monkeypox. You know, here recently, that could cause a lot of stress and trauma. And, you know, if no one is there when the patient receives this news to engage resources for them on the back end, we could be doing more harm than good. So I think it's absolutely important that they have access to this information, but I believe it should be after the clinician has a chance to discuss it with them and has approved that it should be
0: available. Okay. So Dr. Ofrey, what do you tell your patients to do if they get, if they happen to go on my chart? and see a result that is disturbing before you've had a chance to really talk with them? How do you work with your patients on that?
1: Well, one thing, if you wanted to really sort of set the stage, well, that takes quite a bit of time. And I will be honest that I don't have that. In our short visit, we're already dealing with their diabetes, hypertension, cholesterol, cancer, depression, heart failure. I can barely get all of that in there. So to take more time to discuss the ins and outs of my chart is simply beyond what I can reasonably do. So it doesn't feel like a fair burden. What I would say is if there's anything that's serious, I will call you. I always try to put that in. Um, and if I have time, I'll say sometimes there's some abnormal things that aren't important but I often don't have time to go and explain false negatives, false positives. there's it's really quite quite detailed and but I do think it should all be there for patients. They don't have to request it it should be there. They can choose not to look at it that, that's fine and it shouldn't just depend on, on us getting around to it so maybe there's an amount of time. Three days the same way we have with my chart messages, the patients get a notice. Please expect three business days before a response. That's reasonable. And we could do the same thing with the results. But then we have to give clinicians dedicated time to do that. To now squeeze that in, in your invisible lunch hour, after hours, weekends, which is what happens because there's no dedicated time. But this is patient care. You know, like telemedicine, this is another form of care. We get the A1C, we call and adjust the diabetes medicines. That's real care that takes time. So I think if our system wants to embrace this open information, then we embrace dedicated time for clinicians to then be calling patients or messaging with them to talk about the ramifications of their results. That makes a lot of sense. And you're right, it's an unfair burden. And
0: so from an attorney's perspective, if you were telling people, doctors, what would you say to them about how, what to say? Do you think what uh, Dr. Ofri is saying is
2: reasonable? I do, I do think it's reasonable. Um, the time commitments and the burdens that are placed on the clinicians is just increasing. Every time there's an enact of a law, it seems to always be placing some burden on the medical field and the medical um, community rather than on patients, more and more. Um, and, and the problem with that is, as Dr. Ofer mentions, you just don't have time to get to it all. But um, I, I think in this context, um, there is there is a need for some education of patients um, to how to use this new tool of the open notes and the patient portals that are created. Um, it doesn't have to be from a clinician, though. I mean, you know, an MA or, or maybe someone can go in and when they institute the new program, give a little bit of an education, maybe some pamphlets or something, but an education to the patient so that they can understand and sort of get ahead of this issue. You're going to get this raw data. You're going to get these lab results, imaging results, uh, what have you please understand the context that that's what the clinician is going to do is put this in perspective. Don't jump the gun. Don't get excited. Don't whatever you will get notified. These types of things could help um, maybe, maybe water down the negative effects and and bolster the positive impact of them being able, patients being able to access their own data.
0: That makes sense. And Stacy, from the nurse's perspective, if an inpatient family member gets hold of that opens the, my chart and has access and reads things and starts asking nurses, well, what about this? What about this? What do you, what do you recommend nurses say? So yes. And the answer to
3: that always is let me look and see what you're looking at. So I understand what we're saying. Okay. So let me, let me speak with your physician. Let me get someone in here who can explain to you what this means. And in the meantime, I want to provide an assurance We are going to take care of you. Give me just a moment to collaborate. And hopefully you've already built trust with this family. And if they're not going to allow you that moment, if they're they're so upset at this point that you're not going to be able to leave the room, that's when you engage the navigator to come and guide that talk while you're working behind the scenes to assemble collaborative team here. Let's talk about this.
0: Fabulous. And I'm sure that many of the nurses in our audience are like, Thank you, because they—that's a really a pickle for them when families are doing that. So, our classic question, as we close for today, what is the one thing you would like our health, our audience, both healthcare professionals and uh, lay people alike, to take away from this discussion today? And let's start with you,
1: Dr. O'Frey. So, I think that philosophically, patients own the medical chart and they have the right to all the information, everything written there, there should be nothing, unless there's a narrow window where it might cause patient harm in in some rare circumstances. Um, But I think that we then also have to put in place a system to help patients navigate this and not simply expect the clinicians to figure this out on a Saturday night of, of who to be calling. And that would include some resources, be they a nurse navigator, or dedicated time for physicians to go through these charts and to, to call patients. So it's a great tool, but it can exist on its own as a fire hose. Excellent. Thank you so much. Stacy, what about
0: you? What would you be your one point for today?
3: Well, I agree that patients have an absolute right to their private health information, but it must be delivered responsibly. The answer is always a considered collaborative response, redirecting and providing assurances for the current plan of care.
2: Thank you. And Jake? Um, I think it's important for those listening to keep in mind that patients do have a right to their uh, access to their records. And in fact, they they did long before the CARES Act. I think the CARES Act uh, is more of a technological rule to allow instantaneous access, which is fraught with danger in this uh, immediate instant gratification world. Um, and I think that like any technology, it has to be tempered and put in the right perspective. And the best way to do that is educating the patients to understand how to assimilate this information and what not to do with it so that they benefit just as much as the, uh, cl- the lawyer, uh, the lawmakers wanted them to, rather than as Dr. O'Free mentioned and to coin her phrase, a fire hose of information, which is just going to cause them to drown in it.
0: Thank you. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And a special thanks to our panelists for this very um, energetic conversation, shall I say. It was really good and brought many different perspectives. So until next time, this is Healthcare Perspectives 360.